Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Wednesday, August 16th, 2017. This is episode 56, Teaching or Talking. Prior to accepting an offer for my first job over 20 years ago, I had a conversation with an administrator during the hiring process and he simply asked me, how do children learn? And I remember being stumped. I didn't have an answer for that question. Back at that time, at least in the school that I went to, which was a very fine school, we really didn't cover that. And we hit all different types of things involving child psychology and other similar courses, but we never talked about that particular question. How do children learn? And I was stumped. And the common thing that I would do early on when I was really poor at interviewing was I would try to BS my way through the conversation, make things up as I was going along, and I'm sure to the other person I sounded like an absolute fool. And rarely I would just simply say, I don't know, which is often a much better answer than trying to babble your way through what you think they want to hear. So, after I gave a whole bunch of okay answers, and he continued to say, but how do children learn? I finally said, I I give up, I don't know. And he said that the answer is very simple. Children learn visually and orally. Orally, A-U-R-A-L-L-Y. And it dawned upon me, wow, there are so many people in this world who are visual learners. And I kept that in the back of my mind throughout my career. I will say that in the early years of my career, first seven years or so, even though I had just been told that, I didn't employ it enough in the classroom. Then over the course of time where I was teaching, we started getting more and more kids who had different needs. And I had to do it. Not because I was being forced to do it. I had to do it if I was going to become or continue to be an effective teacher. So, I did this for many years. And then, I would say about 12 years into my career, I learned a question 
that many teachers do not ask often enough in the classroom. Why? Why? After all, we live in a society which has demonstrated, not by my opinion, but through their actions, we live in a society that by and large, people don't want other people to ask why. They don't want to be questioned. This is absolutely the case in politics. You don't want to question things, people have their own agendas, they want to just move through. The idea is to create, in schools, independent thinkers. Because there are too many students who rely on too many resources. And I'm not talking about getting a tutor or asking a teacher for help after school or, you know, that inevitable thing where the parent is practically writing the entire book report. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking a lot more about students being able to get into a classroom, hear something from a teacher, and question it. And not question it to be a smart aleck or to be difficult. Question it to find out simply why. This was something that the administrator told me about the visual and oral learning 20 years ago. I don't think that's something he considered. But there's also something else that I'm not sure he considered either. And that has to do with today's topic. Teaching or talking. When you heard this topic, when you saw the title of this podcast, were you going to be able to figure out what it meant? Ineffective teachers are ones who talk all the time. And they might be brilliant. Off the charts brilliant. You could give them any topic and they could run with it. Really go very, very far with it. To the point that even a topic that they're not too familiar with, they could probably still give you an excellent lesson impromptu. No planning whatsoever. Here's the thing though. Teaching has nothing to do with knowledge. Knowledge is only part of the situation. Teaching has to do with the ability to communicate your ideas, your thoughts to your students. And you do this by way of knowledge. Granted, if you're teaching from your desk the entire class, and you're looking at a computer screen, and you're looking at your notes, you are simply not going to be as effective a teacher as someone who just doesn't do that. I can't even fathom doing that. 
I have to be face-to-face, -face, directly in front of my students, no notes or very, very limited notes. And the only notes that you should probably have would be little notes on either index cards or if you've got an iPad and a few words just jotted down to keep you on topic if it's something that's really complex. You should be to the point, hopefully in your teaching career a few years in, where you don't have to do any of that. And you can just go. But I am baffled by how many teachers think that they're teaching and they're not. They're talking. And you will inevitably have at least one student who is not processing the information. And I was never a fan of No Child Left Behind. But this is a situation where children are being left behind. And it's not acceptable. Yes, you're going to always have kids who struggle. You're going to have kids that are on the high end of the spectrum, in the middle, and on the low end. This is always going to be the case. I don't care where you teach. You're always going to have the bell curve. It's your responsibility as a teacher to find a way to reach every single child. An example. One of the lessons that I do in general music and chorus style classes is I am very, very insistent on students learning the Star Spangled Banner. I feel very strongly about it. How do I teach it? Well, there are a lot of different ways to go about it. I think that it's important for kids to know the words and to understand the words. But the words of the song, you got some strange words in there. You know, if you don't really know the song that well, you're gonna have a really difficult time trying to explain to a student what a rampart is. Or the old English, or, O apostrophe E-R. Or perilous. Now, when you're teaching the lyrics, how do you do it? Do you just give them a word sheet? I've seen a lot of people do that and say, here's the word sheet, memorize all the words. There are a lot of students that struggle with that. And I have a previous podcast episode on memorization techniques. Now, this is a perfect opportunity for you to shine as a teacher. How are you going to find the most creative way, the best possible method to have reach every single student in the room and go at an appropriate pace? And it's very challenging. An example of what you could do. You could play the song with no words. None. No lyrics at all. Just play an instrumental track. Then maybe you could play the song with the words. 
with you not singing, but maybe a recording singing. Or you could sing along. But don't have them sing. Because now they're doing too much. They just need to be doing less so they're able to do more. So you have them listen. Now, after you do this a few times, there are going to be some kids, some kids already know the song. And they will get all the words correct. Maybe one or two words might be off or the spelling might be odd. And then you have other kids that are still stuck on the first line of the song. Well, now what? Now you got the bell curve. The ones that are behind, the ones that are ahead. I can guarantee the ones that are ahead, while there might be a little bit of a boredom with waiting for the other ones, kids are understanding. They really are understanding. I think that if you are teaching in such a way and you explain to the class, listen, I understand that some of you have this down already, but you need to communicate to me if you don't have it down and what you're struggling with. That conversation has to happen. You have no way of knowing. You're not a mind reader. And no matter how many times you do that lesson, every single kid is different. So it's diff it, it's it's not easy and you have to ask right there on the spot exactly what they need from you so what I'll do is I'll say oh say can you see and see how quickly they're writing it down if they're writing really really slowly you may want to encourage shorthand you may want to ask them to try to write a little bit quicker you also would want to say don't worry I'm going to say it again because some kids may think you're gonna say it once and you're not gonna say it again because that's what they've experienced with other teachers and you do each line now you can put it up on the board that's fine but sometimes Another approach is to not do that and and have them just listen to you. And why would you want them to listen to you? Because that's what a lot of other teachers do. They need to start adapting and understanding that this is unfortunately the way of the world and this is what they're going to experience. So I'm trying to give them a helpful situation and a real life situation so when they get into their other classes, they can be successful. After all, your class is not the most important class. And there are a lot of music teachers that feel that way and they need to get over themselves. You are not the most important person in the school. You take your, your subject matter very seriously, you perform with utmost excellence, but you're not the most important thing in the school. And when you communicate that to children, they're gonna love you even more for it. When you recognize that you care about them and their success in English and math and science and social studies, etc. Okay? So, we go through the song, then you repeat the lyrics again from the beginning, and you do it in chunks. But you're communicating with the class. Are you teaching or are you talking? 
If you're talking, you're only saying the lyrics. You're not asking them how they're doing. You're not walking around the room. You're not double checking with kids that you know have 504s and IEPs and other special needs in the class who need your help. So you are now becoming a teacher. You are now someone who's not talking to the class. Even in a college where they have lecture halls, why does it need to be that way? It doesn't. One of my greatest, greatest teachers in college was in a subject that I just wasn't good at, which is just science in general. It's not a strong subject of mine. I don't know why, I just never connected with it well. But I had this biology teacher, she was fantastic. She ran a lecture hall, 300 kids in the hall. And she ran it like she was teaching a middle school class. Caring, compassionate, outstanding college professor, but it could really teach. And I did well in that class. I didn't get an A, but I comprehended the material extremely well. I know I got like, like I think it was like a 3.0 or like a, a, a B or B plus in the class. But the most important thing was that I comprehended the material extremely well. And I remember everything that I learned in, the, in that class to this day. That's the mark of a great teacher. And it was a college instructor. I can't say the same for other college instructors that I had in a lecture hall setting where they just talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they don't interact. The effective teacher interacts with his or her audience, no matter what age the people are. And that includes master type classes where information is being disseminated. Teaching or talking? Think about it. Which one are you? What type of teacher are you? What are you bringing to the table on a daily basis to your students to help them to learn? Because if you're just talking for the entire period, aside from it being very tiring, you're probably not getting through to a lot of students. That's not good. As always, I hope that some of these ideas are helpful. And I can't stress it enough. If you ever have any questions about any of the information in my podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'll be happy to help in any way. I have a lot of resources available. More than willing to chat with you to be able to help you with anything that you need. And I'm also available at all times to do master classes on these particular podcast subjects. I wish you all the best for your upcoming school year.